Welcome to the InsurTech Business Series podcast. We are biased for Africa because we are Africans and we believe that we need to innovate for Africa. And so today uh, we have an interesting conversation ahead of us. And uh, yeah, Joel, welcome. Uh, thanks, Damola. Um, I'm super excited to be here and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Awesome, awesome. I mean, we were speaking earlier. Third time is a charm. I mean, we try to book this uh, for the longest, but I mean, there have been a lot of a lot of things happening on our side, on your side. But I mean, that's that's good, right? You were speaking uh, some weeks ago about some of the partnerships that you've been working on. Uh, but before we go into all of that, just like we do, who is Joel? All right. Um. So Joel is a father. He's a husband. And uh, he runs uh, Modisho, um as a techie. So studied computer science um, somewhere in Uganda, Makerere University. Um, and I, don't, I did a short stint at MIT as well, um, but purely just on the computing side of things. And I pretty much stumbled into insurance, to be honest, where it's both a personal story and also something that on the entrepreneurial side of of myself, um, I, I basically was able to like craft something, you know, easy guy, right? Um, and I pride myself in trying to not only uplift others, also just try to help um, push, you know, the, the African context or the African challenges and seeing how we as Africans can then go ahead and create or curate solutions that then work for for the majority of us who really need some of these solutions out here but it's super hard to you know get them in the context or in the space that they might need it you mentioned that you're a techie and one of the things that i've seen just like i heard somewhere the, the change that wants to see within this space is going to be brought in from the outside uh, i mean do you share this sentiment or i mean from your experience so far I believe so. Uh, I, I think um, what I've noticed is um, if you spend too much time doing the same thing, you kind of get uh, that sort of you know tunnel vision, or you just you, you get a bit comfortable, right? So you you go with the flow essentially, right? So yeah. what we've seen in the space is when we interact with um, insurance companies or partners is people are so stuck up in their ways that they don't you know most guys are not interested in seeing. Um, something else and if you if you think about change essentially right um the key ingredients to basically bring in change is you know having a divergent opinion or a divergent view on something right so what we're noticing especially around the insurtech space is you know people coming in from different forms of backgrounds and essentially being able to like you know come look at this thing in a whole different lens and see what can we do from you know from an outsider's perspective to then try and see if we can really drive the you know the penetration of insurance within the african context uh, and even in emerging markets and uh i'm a bit biased on this but i would say i feel like we the outsiders will actually bring the change that is needed within the insurance space. That's that's my point of view. Piggybacking on what Damara said, I wanted to ask, what what exactly were your inspiration or what motivated you to start Motishow? Right. So I think for me was, as I said earlier, it was purely from a personal story. So back in, I think, 2018, I lost one of my favorite cousins um, to a border-border accident. And... 
basically uh, we we defaulted to what africans do which is like the normal coping mechanisms of can we do a fundraising event to then you know give them the last respect right um and then the, the the challenge for me was the family he left behind right someone had to take care of that right so i was very curious about that and i tried to figure out like did, did he not have any form of uh, like protection around his own life or in, in the event something happened, what what then happens to his family, right? So when I did a bit of research is when I found out that the way insurance is structured, especially around the border-border side, was a bit skewed towards the asset itself, uh, that's a bike, as opposed to the to the rider themselves, right? So like um, the traditional products that we have right now in Kenya are, you know, there are two types mostly. Um, there's a comprehensive insurance and then there's a third-party insurance. But even for both, unless you get an extra or what they call the rider products, um, like a personal accident cover, then you're not covered, right? So in the event of an accident, you basically have to take care of your own medical bills and those sort of things, or even last respect or last expense that is purely born out of pro- out of pocket by the customer. So for us, for me, that's 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 kind of like what triggered the whole uh, the whole creation of Motisure because. I went down a rabbit hole to try and figure out, okay, what does this mean for the riders and how many of these people actually are aware that, uh, you know, um, you might have to get extra products to then protect yourself um, in the event of an accident. I, I, you know, like I spent a bit of time uh, talking to different riders. I think we did like a, eventually we ended up talking to over 600 of them throughout the country country in different pockets and just try to figure out like you know what products do they have do they work for them what do they want to see in a, in a typical insurance product that then caters to their needs and that's how we ended up like you know kind of coming up with a very fast initial draft where riders you know were saying you know we went around the country and got riders to like basically itemize things based on the order of priority or what they would want in the event of an accident or if something happened to them right now, out of that, we then ended up curating, like picking the top five products that they, or the top five benefits they would want to see. And, you know, started sourcing for an insurance company to help us underwrite that. That's like a conversation, like we can have, uh, but it's, it's, it was not easy to create the kind of products that the, the riders wanted. So we, we started seeing the disconnects between, you know, the underwriters and the products that exist in the market and the customer, right? And for us, we we strongly believe that that's one of the reasons as to why the insurance penetration is this low because there's a very huge disconnect between customers and the products that they want to see or that, that could work for them. Sorry about your experience. Um, and, and then, um, I mean, it ha- this is like in two parts because the experience has also helped in a way to see the need or, you know, insurance in that space. So after you did the market research, and I mean, of course, because Multishore is not particularly, you know, the insurance company that that actually um, provides um, actual cover. So I want to believe that Multishore is like the um, intermediary between the border border guys and insurance incumbents that then, you know, provides the cover. How are you able to manage that, you know, what you found in the market? And also get like the buying of maybe the insurance regulators as well as the insurance company that provides the ultimate cover because there is um some sort of um well I don't want to say um impression but I think over time analysis have shown that the border border are like 
that's like one of the riskiest means of transportation and you know um, especially in a place like nigeria people are always very evasive about you know insuring them so how are you able to manage that and you know build a product around these people but the border is bike riders by the way it's interesting you, you asked that because i think when we started out back in 2021 we actually couldn't get a local underwriter to then give us the product we wanted the way we wanted it, right? So what ended up happening is we we got into the Bima Lab program. That is a program powered by the Insurance Regulatory Authority of Kenya in conjunction with FSD Africa and a couple of, you know, I think it was Prudential that was also sponsoring that as well. And it was an accelerator program for a couple of months. And... I think through that, we really got to get some extra insights into the whole structure. And then also through that, um, I had reached out to Richard Lefley. I'm, I'm sure you guys already know him. And he was one of the, the speakers of the, the second BIMA lab that we were part of. And we, we started having conversations around, hey, we wanted this product. We really are struggling to get an underwriter to take care of the product. I mean, basically provide the product for us. And uh, we would really like your help, right? So what ended up happening initially was... Motishu partnered with now MIC Global, then it was MicroInsure here in Kenya, and it was a brokerage, right? So through them, they were able to help us structure the product and also helped us get the very fast, you know, underwriter. I think that was APA through a conversation, I think that involved Swissry as well. Uh, but basically just looking at it from like uh, Richard saw what we were trying to, you know, basically provide in the market and he saw the need uh, as well as we did. And he was able to have that conversation with the underwriter to then give us a product. So I think uh, after that, it was just basically more of a, like, you go prove yourself, let's see. Uh, and then I think when we, we started pushing um, the conversation a bit further is when we started getting a, a lot more attention from the insurance companies that we, you know, the other insurance companies. And uh, we're happy to say we are working with a couple of them as we speak. Fantastic. <laughs> That's been an interesting journey. Um, again, it, it was good to have the accelerator program like Bima Lab. And then we are, we are also, we've been seeing the majority of their works and how they've been able to drive um, insure tech space um, across across the continent, which is, which is um, interesting to know. Yeah, like we, 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 you know, we always cooking. So um, there's a lot of exciting <laughs> happening, right? So, like, we are really bullish about trying to figure out how can we help or enable as many Africans, right, get some form of insurance or some form of cover or what they call, you know, some social protection uh, or something that takes care of them, right? So. Uh, we we started off with mobility, right, as a sector, and the reason for that was we looked at what was the one thing that is common across, you know, the continent, and then how can we tap into that, right? So that's why we, we ended up with mobility, and what we started off with was a personal accident cover that then takes care of not only the driver or the rider. Uh, we've also introduced now what you're calling a passenger all commuter cover. That is essentially like a trip based insurance where you know you pay us up like almost um 10 cents to the dollar uh, for a trip from one point to the other and you basically have some form of protection now um the whole point for us is saying like from from talking to so many different sec sector players and talking to so many of these customers what our goal is essentially to provide the cheapest most affordable insurance product to as many people as we can 
And then later on, is once you start seeing the value of you know how that protection then kicks in, it's then now being able to come and upsell or cross-sell different products to them, right? Um, for Africans, especially the ta- the target market that we speci- you know we specialize in, which is like the bottom of the pyramid, guys. Over 70 or 80% of them have had zero experience with any form of insurance. That's the context, right? So you'll get a guy, you know, what we call here in Kenya, Mamamboga, which means like a, like a kiosk or, or like a small trader selling vegetables by the roadside. And, you know, like, you know, she has a family, she has people to take care of, but does not have any health sort of insurance, doesn't have any education policy or life policy or anything of the sort, and has never, you know, purchased, you know, any of the insurance products. And what you're saying is now when she's going to the market, she can actually pay you, it's 10 shillings in Kenya, which is like 10 cents to the dollar or less, and actually experience the first, the first interaction with insurance, right? So in the event of something that happens to her, she can actually make a claim and get a benefit paid out to her. So that was our core focus. Like it's a small ticket size, but with huge benefits that take care of different items, such as whether it's disability, whether it's medical expenses, whether it's getting an ambulance to her, as well as death, is then saying, can we can you pay this small amount and then we'll give you something close to like $500, for example, in medical. And then once they see the value vis-a-vis the cost, right, most of them get curious, right? Like I think Kenyans mostly are curious people. The patterns we started noticing in our in our data is for people who've purchased, right? And within the either their network or you know their circles or association, someone actually got a payment in a claim. Then there's a spiral effect or there's a network effect that then happens that makes them even more curious of like, okay, what else can you offer us, right? That, that's what we've seen in terms of progression, in terms of the customer's request. So we're saying that we want to cover as many Africa, like our target is 600 million customers, right, um, within Africa. And we're using mobility as an entry point. Um, but we, we, are, we are happy to lay on different products down the road. But what we've seen is the one, whether it's a school going kid, whether it's, you know, whether it's a guy going to work, a guy going to his business, whether it's the riders or the Okada guys who are, you know, busy ferrying either goods or people, almost half the continent moves at some point during the day, right? That's our target market. That's what we want to tap into. We would like to see more of this. Yeah. Yeah, we will. We- updated. You, you spoke about people getting to enjoy insurance, for example, for the first time, uh, and which is a start that I'm even more interested in from from your engagement, from the product perspective, and customers that you've had, from your data, from your experience. Uh, how important is claims payment, and especially, you know, for some of these. Uh, micro products, small size products, what opportunities lie within that space? I like the fact that you asked that question because it's something I've been trying to push for even within our space where we are saying, listen, the only the whole, the whole point of insurance is you to benefit, of course, in the event of something that happened, right? But from where I see it, we, we've started like, looking at ways where the customer can benefit even as they wait for an event to happen, right? So the more the claims, right, in terms of being paid out, the more the acquisition of new customers. And I, and I find that I always have a challenge with the, you know, with the insurance players where, you know, someone will tell you, okay, 
you know, the claim ratio can go over 40 or 60 or 80, whatever the percentage is. And I'm always wondering, you know, like, I don't understand, like, you're in the risk business, right? Um, but you're more risk averse than, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's always interesting. Uh, but from, from what we see, what we've been trying to do is incorporating, you know, ways where customers get a cash back of some sort or some benefit. Mm through the insurance that we provide for I'll give you an example for our border border cover in case of a guy doesn't claim for the year we actually give like five dollars back to the customer at the end of the year right now what we've noticed is that for every claim that has been paid there's a, almost a hundred percent like uptake within their ecosystem right mm-hmm. in terms of like organic or a reference or where someone will come in and say hey uh, you know, Damola actually recommended me to you guys. You know, you guys paid a claim to him, and I'm happy to start paying you the premiums, right? And I find that most insurance companies don't get that in terms of you need to pay as many claims as possible to make people like you know trust the insurance process, trust the whole fact that you sold him a product or her a product, and when when something happened to them, they actually paid, right? But what you find is within the claims process for most institutions is that it's so complicated and it takes such a it's such a lengthy process that it, it stops making any sense right so i'll give you an example of in kenya uh, for example if you had a comprehensive insurance cover and you got into an accident with another let's say hit another car what usually happens is that you essentially have to go sue that particular person right and then you know, then the insurance will then be appointed or they'll appoint a lawyer and then you go through the processes of like, you know, the legal process, which could take years, right? For for most of them, it takes maybe one or two years just to sort out um, through the legal process, right? So, so you can imagine a customer who, you know, um, who needs this vehicle to move around or this particular asset or this is the border border or you know whatever means of transport they are using or they're just going to work right but then if you're asking that customer to like wait for two years to get a payout right um then in the in the you know in the following year what you'll definitely have is a chance for that particular customer mm-hmm. right because they'll feel like you know we paid a premium when when you needed the premium paid and you promised that you're going to actually sort this out but then when that happened you know you made the process so complicated for myself that i didn't even like like I, I hated the experience right that's what most that's, that's usually like the sentiments around the, you know, when you go, like for example, for us, we never sell insurance to any of these customers because if you mention the word insurance in a sitting, over half of the people who are there just walk out. That's what happens, right? So you have to you have to change the lingo, you have to change the approach, you have to trend. Mm, so what lingo do you use? So for us, we, we talk about protection, we talk about coverage, like a cover. We, we don't mention insurance in any of our, you know, um, activations or onboarding or anything of the sort, because that word has already been, like, it's synonymous with, you know, not paying. Like, already when someone hears, <laughs> they're like, okay, uh, do they pay? That's, a, that's some of the questions we get from these riders or these particular communities we are targeting, where, you know, everyone is, is you know, uh, worried that if they pay when they need it it might not come through right and that's a narrative we really are trying to push and change and saying like listen 
let's give you a product that then works for you, right? And we guarantee that we will push this thing through the insurance company and ensure that, you know, when a claim is launched either through our system, you know, or from a customer that we've engaged, like, uh, you know, there's a quicker turnaround time, right? Like for us, we've limited it to like at least three to five days maximum of you getting up a payment out right so you don't have to go to to court you don't have to go through that complicated process of removing the police and all that on our end we're using technology to like help us track that make it super easy for customers um all in the comfort of their own phones yeah? okay so um in terms of going back to claims payment now for where you're unable to reach like a an agreement with the underwriters do you sometimes pay out of pocket just so, so the um, rationale behind this is because, again, for you to be able to build trust from your customers, you know, sometimes um, there are some, you know, sacrifices yes. um, that has to be made. So in terms of prioritizing whether to pay the claims and get like a larger consumer conversion or to, you know, go with the narrative that, you know, the underwriter is replicating the claim and then you have to go back to face your customers yeah. and say, well, they're not paying you. And those people, again, because... Once it is on the streets, word of mouth is like the most powerful advertisement um, instruments that these guys use. Yeah. And then they go back to say that these guys are just fraudulent. So how, how do you manage that? Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Um, so I might get into some, you know, what waters here, but um, essentially for us, that's something we've done before, right? Where for example, like we had one incident last year where where the rider actually like I think they amputated his hand. It was a bit of a serious like it's meant to be a disability sort of cover, and uh, from the accident the guy had no recollections of like even you know like he lost a bit of memory, right? So when when the wife reached out to us, right, we of course had to process a claim and and send it to the underwriter. And what we noticed was there was a lot of like, of course, the insurance company has to do their due diligence and make sure they've validated some of the claim, you know, that, that are coming through just to avoid fraud. Uh, but for us, we saw that that was taking a bit longer than we, we we expected or we needed it to. And what we ended up doing is actually using some of our reserves on Motishua side to actually pay out a part of that particular claim, right? So some of the conversations that we're having with most insurance companies is saying like, hey, can we can we create a bit of like a like a fund, right? Where we can get some underwriting permissions or under like get an underwriting pen where we can actually use that to pay the claims a bit faster and then we reconcile once their process is done, right? That's gonna be super important because ideally for us it's it's looking at how fast can you resolve that claim for the customer, right? Um, so we've, we've introduced things like smart contracts and we're working out to just align how it all works, you know, for the customer. Where, you know, if it's a smart contract, we say, let's say unlock, unlock $50, $50 for example, 
in case that happens. And then that sort of like gives that customer a guarantee that I know if that claim happens, at least I'll get some, you know, some stipend out of it, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's something we've done before. But um, what we've seen is, you know, as long as you have a good relationship with your underwriter and you actually step up the game in terms of validating, verifying the claims, because we, we we work in a, a bit of a different model. We don't just accept any customer. So by the time a customer is actually onboarded onto our platform, right? We have quite a, a bit of data about them. We have, you know, our own ways of verifying some of these claims. We have an agency network throughout the country. You know, we have a lot more things we do even with things like the what they call the DCI, that's the criminal investigation department of the police, just to make sure that by the time we bubble the claim back to the underwriter, we've sort of like pre-checked most of the things and made sure that these are legit claim and it can be watched for on different aspects, right? So once you automate, once you do all those things and you're using technology to do that, and then you introduce things like smart contracts and you know, and get permission from the underwriter to then be able to pay claims up to a certain amount of money, then what we notice is that it's the customer experience is much better even as they wait for the actual claim to be processed. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I mean, um, like like you mentioned, because I was going to come back to um, asking about um, possibility or probability of fraudulent claims. Has there been any occurrence um, since you started? Yeah, like, so I had the most weird incident when we just started out. And that's why I say, like, like for us, the way we do our onboarding is we 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 really spend a lot of time doing customer education. Um, that's the hard part, right? So you have to make sure that the customers understand. And that came off of the fact that we thought we just build a digital product, you know, talk to the customers. And see the product is their own creation, it would be an easy, which is an easy conversion. But what we noticed when we started out, we had an incident where I think I had over 800 border border guys that we tried to try to provide the insurance product for. And part of our, our onboarding communication was, you know, for us, we pay a claim within three to five working days, right? As soon as you give us all the documentation that we need, right? So most of the guys paid like for a month. And then in, in five days, you know, like I had a whole like I think over over 400 riders, you know, all driving to my office to ask for claim of $500, right? So that was the most insane thing I've ever done. Like, um, cause we had to like, you know, step in and like diffuse the situation by, you know, just going back to the basics of what we had talked to them about in terms of, you know, like you separate them by saying whoever has had, a, you know, an actual accident, you know, step on the side, those sort of things, right? So uh, we've seen that in the space where guys, uh, they're, 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 depending on the education of the customer or the disposition in life, right? Uh, some customers will try and like take advantage or look at loopholes maybe within the system or look at ways of, you know, even colluding with institutions like hospitals, uh, give us a medical receipt and a report and all these other things. But what we did for us is it's really like, I, I love the fact that that happened initially when we started out because that changed a lot of our operations in terms of not only how we educate, but also who do we onboard, right? So, so we create, we ended up creating an agency network um, of people who are like, they're border border chairmen. So they are, so this gives us superstructure, right? Like they are organizing groups within their own, you know, whether it's uh, the town they are in or the, you know, like the, what they call constituencies here in Kenya, like it's it's like there you guys have states, right? 
what you what you notice is that for guys who are part of a like a larger body, right? Like a circle, for example, um, from part one part of the country, and they actually have you know even a welfare fund and all these other things that they do that do a contribution. We use that particular chairman at that particular place to be our you know to be our agent, and they are the first point of verification of any claim. Now, this chairman is probably in charge of between a, a thousand and up to like five thousand of these riders. So, and he's he's a guy who has feels the biggest pinch because mm. every time these guys get into accidents, they come back to him to ask him, "Can we do a fundraising event for a rider who died, for a rider who got into an accident, for one who's admitted in the hospital?" Right. So once we took the product, we we even started changing how we go, you know, we take the product to the market where we start with the chairman and then they we we take time to educate them, show them how the product works, and then show them the benefit, and then also give him tactics of like verifying some of this claim before it's bubbled up to us. What's happening right now is for any claim that comes to us, it goes like through three three steps within the the structure of the border border associations. Uh, depending on where the guy is located, right? So what that does is that by the time the, the actual uh, regional chairman actually approves and, and confirms to us, right, um, a couple of things have happened in there, right? Like there's a police element to it for verification. The chairman themselves actually do the due diligence of actually going to the hospitals and verifying that that claim happened. On this other side, on on, on what we built on, on WhatsApp, right? Like they have to take pictures of them in the hospital and all these other things. So there are there are a couple of different strategies and different levels of how we validate some of these claims. I might not share a lot, but we have like I think an eight-step process that then by the time we are sending all that to the underwriter, like you know, once they go and also do their own verification, they'll come back with the same conclusion of the exact amount spent, the exact, you know, the accident, what happened, the report from the police and all these other, and also from the chairman who are in charge of these border border guys, right? So we stopped onboarding like masses, just anyone to a bit more structure and a bit more other data points. Like for example, all our riders must have a family. That's okay. very critical for us. Because what you notice is that the guys who are who had families were a bit more careful and a bit more less risky, right? Um, okay. And also, they didn't like they didn't seem very keen on defrauding mm. things for one reason or the other. So, mm-hmm. so for us, we've just been building based on experiences. So you encounter something, you work out a, a you know a strategy or solution around it, mm. customer, and then end up coming up with an with something that then takes care of everyone uh, across the value chain. Mm, yeah, yeah, and, and it's interesting from your conversation. I see that yes, you enter into the market, but you're able to learn quickly, change your your model, change the the, the way that you're engaging with customers, adjust in real time. That's not something that the insurance industry is known for. From the regulatory point of view, why is the Kenyan space able to do what they're able to do? Again, what I'm referring to is majority of of this insurance innovation that we're seeing are coming from Kenya, even though if you look at a market like Nigeria, for example, has a large market, which you would expect that, you know, there are a lot more players within this space. Also looking at the fact that the fintech space in Nigeria is, is, is the largest on the continent. I think uh, we are fortunate um, to have like a regulator who's pro-innovation. Um, I think that's not as easy to find, right? Uh, considering insurance is a very 
highly regulated um, industry. Mm-hmm. But I think for us, we, we've, we've seen the IRA like really, really step up and really trying to push the, you know, like the penetration a bit further. And that's how they enable some of us to be able to position some of these products or like, you know, take some, some of these products to market using technology and trying to figure out um, new ways of doing distribution or claim administration or whatever it is. And I think for us, um, the fact that we went through the BIMA lab program as well, uh, sort of like enabled us to be able to mm. not only be, you know, not only be on the, on the, you know, within the reach of the IRA as well, but also okay. like use them to then help us like tra- strategically position some of the things that we're doing. Of course, right. their consent, right? Um, yeah. And, their, you know, the underwriters' consent as well. And see, like, um, because we all have the same goal, which is how do we have yeah. as many people as possible, right? So... Yeah, I think I think I think the area has really done a fantastic job in like enabling creating an enabling environment for insurtechs um, to be able to then push products, push innovation, and and test and you know test a lot of things. What we've actually been requesting from them is seeing how can we then even use what we are learning you know within the Kenyan space to then passport these products to other countries, for example, in Nigeria, right? One of the biggest challenges in Africa is like the, how fragmented, you know, <laughs> we are in terms of like, it doesn't make sense if the IRA approves here and everything checks out, right? Why NICOM in Nigeria cannot, you know, basically like leverage the connection they have within the IRA here in Kenya to then like sort of like help us keep some of the steps that we might have to do, which means that I can come into Nigeria as quickly as possible, right? You know, test that, and we are happy to provide any sort of reporting, give them visibility into whatever we're doing, and just say like, okay, then it means that I can quickly take my products, my learnings, you know, our technology to like six other countries as quickly as possible. possible. And all I'll have to do is just get, you know, um, some introduction from the IRA to the regulator in that particular country, and them actually comparing notes based on the, what, what the law says in that particular country and seeing what works and, and can quickly even tweak things that don't work in that particular country. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you. Uh, those are some of the things that we've seen. Um, so when you look at the space generally, right, the insurtech space is a growing ecosystem across the continent, right? And part of the things that we are keen on at the insurtech business series is how can we galvanize the space? How can we encourage people to come into the space? Those who are in the space, how can they learn from people like you who are some bit ahead? Um, and so that's why we have this kind of engagement. What do you think the future is what are things that you think would shape the future of of the insurtech space yes i know for example regulation definitely just like you gave example of what the IRA is doing um i know that bima lab started off in kenya and we've had in ghana we've had in nigeria so there's a pan-african one right now currently running but yeah beyond regulation what do you think the future of insurance innovation and technology will be? Oh, um, that's an interesting question. Um, so I think I think the beauty of like you know technology for me is super critical in terms of you know uh, what technology can enable people do, right? So 
um, we look at things like um, there's the African, you know, free intercontinental trade agreement. I think that was signed. Um, I'm yet to see something that is happening in that particular space, but that would be super interesting yeah. to enable insurance, you know, like uh, yeah. innovation happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think for us, even from where we see it and what we've been trying to do is because we, 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 you know, we talk to as many insure techs in the space as possible as well, um, as Mortisure. And what we've been seeing is, you know, the different ways of, you know, skinning this this particular chicken, right? So, um, the, like, we we've seen things that have worked for, you know, what we call the B two C model, right, in Kenya, and that's leveraging things like WhatsApp, for example, right? Now, if you look at across Africa, what you'll notice is that the social media sort of like sites that people are keen on. I think what's probably WhatsApp is one of the highest in the continent. If you look at the data that you know has been published before, over ninety percent of users, right, um, are on WhatsApp, right. So for us, it's like looking at how do we leverage those sort of existing technologies without having to like you know um, create that fatigue of apps for users, and 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 see can I can I partner with Curacel for example in Nigeria and and use our our own you know, like experience and the technology built here in Kenya to distribute to like the masses in a very efficient way. And can I have that technology and open it up to any of the insurer techs in the space or insurance companies who are keen on like a different model of distribution and use that then to do that in the different countries, right? The fact that WhatsApp is already regulated, like for example, in Nigeria, it means that if I partnered with someone in Nigeria, I can I can give them the technology and then they can push the product down there, right? So in terms of scale, that's what we as Motisho are looking at and looking at it from a point of view where we're saying, we think technology could actually unlock a lot of these things and a lot of collaborations and partnerships between the underwriters, the different short techs uh, in, the, in the space, uh, the regulators as well, and also even the government, right? Like I think, I think that that's one of the things that people don't talk about a lot in terms of like government involvement, right? But some of these trade agreements that are signed between countries probably should include, you know, service providers who are actually keen on innovating on a space, be allowed to work, yeah. you know, in the yeah. different countries, right? So, I, like I see that, right? Uh, because I get bashed for saying we have to give products to the customer and then use the customer's engagement learnings to then build extra products right um if uh, like embedded is the easiest route right for everyone right so i want to embed my products in anything and everything but the truth is you know if we really want to like change or increase that particular penetration right we have to do the hard things which is one of the hard things is actually educating that particular customer right so um I, I personally truly believe that with education, right, uh, my attention has been that high because we've done a lot of education, right? And then if I just embedded that product in one of the high, highest consumed product within my space, like for example, we did a play for fuel. I think I mentioned this to you a while back. And in Yes, it's a good way to go to market. It's a good way to get quick customers and retain the customers. But what ends up happening is that over time, if it's so embedded, the customer forgets about the product. So even in the event that they have an accident or need to make a claim, 
more often than not, it's not front of mind, right, for the customer. So we, we look at those things and say, like, there's some industries that I feel um, from where we sit and what we've seen, they will work better if we actually spend time within government, right? Like, for example, in Kenya, the IRA does a lot of community engagements, a lot of education of these customers to try and create that awareness. And I feel like even we as insurtechs should actually, or the insurance players, including the insurance company, should actually create serious budgets around customer education that will lead to customer retention, right? Like, I feel like in the future, the one who perfects the simplest education is going to be the last man standing, if, if, if I'm to say that. Yeah, um, again, there has to be lots of education, awareness um, about insurance in, on our continent. Because I think, like you said, that's like one of the um, major aspects that is currently lacking. It's not the fact that there's no insurance and it's not the fact that insurance is, you know, um, not... Uh, um, does not help with, you know, financial planning. It's just the fact that there's been a lot of, you know, communication gap and understanding or education around, you know, the benefits that insurance can provide. And I think, like you said, um, I like the fact that you said in, in your communication that you try to remove the word insurance because it doesn't seem like a lot of people can relate to it. In fact, when they relate to it, they, they already have, like, you know, um, a bad um, um, impression about you know the word itself insurance so yes um we we agree with you on that so um before we let you go we'd like to ask like what's next for multi-shore yeah i think as i said when i started like our goal is to at least touch 600 million lives so it's a super what we call the big hairy audacious goal right um that's that's and we want to do that within the emerging markets right so we have, you know, right now there's so many, we have so many partnerships like in the works, um, even in Nigeria as well, you know, Ghana, a couple of countries um, where we are, as I said, we've, we've started opening up our own platform and our own system to other partners who begin to, you know, leverage what we've, what we've built so far to then see if they can, that works for them in their own particular countries, including countries like Peru and India. And we've done a couple of tests across the board just to see uh, how would it all work in the different countries, right? So in terms of scale, we're looking at, you know, uh, probably in the next couple of months, we should be at least in like four or five countries um, and, and using our technology in those countries and collaborating with existing players and, you know, pushing the narrative as, as much as we can. So uh, we, we, we don't think from where we sit, we can passport the actual products, right? Um, in terms of like the way it's configured, Unless, you know, the customers also in those particular countries are keen on something similar to that, right? We like, you know, we like innovating from the customer backwards. So what we do, like, for example, if I came to Nigeria, I would actually, we would actually spend a lot of time with the customers first and then build products that work for them. But then on our technology, it's versatile enough to be able to, you know, curate any, any type of product and use, you know, like, um, and not, you know, like ask a customer to again download another application, which, you know, like I, I feel is a very huge up fatigue, to be honest. So on our end, what you're doing is we either provide you a platform uh, through our API, that's one, or two, we build a chatbot for you on WhatsApp 
all any social media site that you're interested in and embed that product within what customers use on a normal day. And that enables you quickly distribute products, have a higher retention, and, and have customers have a very good experience when it comes to purchasing of your products. So that's what we, we want to focus on in the next couple of months and, and push it to as many people as possible um, and, and you know keep pushing the, the narrative of insurance. Fantastic. We would like to see majority of these things um, in the coming months, and um, we'll continue to keep in touch with you to see um, how you know this has grown um, to you know the other regions that you, you um, have identified. Um, for our audience, if we are to reach out to you, how would they do that? Right. Um, they can always go to our website. That's motishua.com or they can send a hello at motisha.com via email. Uh, we are happy to always connect, always to, you know, talk to different players within the industry, investors as well. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. That's Joel Masharia. And we are happy to engage anyone who's interested in, in keeping an eye on what's happening in the insurtech space. And also for the insurtech players out there, especially in Africa, we do have a, I think Damola will help me on this one, but we do have a, like a WhatsApp group that we created a while back for all insurtech players, uh, people in the insurance space that are keen you know, on like having a conversation and we're happy to share a link um, with any of you that might be keen on it. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Yes, yeah, it's been interesting speaking. Great to have you, you know, here on the podcast. Go deeper into what you're doing. And I mean, we're happy to be hearing from you. I look forward to hearing more from you as regards how you're growing, expanding as well. Um, I mean, thank you very much uh, for joining and sharing as much as you did. Thanks, Demola. Thanks for Lumi. It's, it's been great have, having this conversation with you guys. And I want to just say, I really appreciate what you guys are doing right even just shining some spotlight on some of what the insurtechs out here are building and keep it up and thanks for having me